This is exactly right. If it's an unhealthy or abusive relationship, is even in that situation, we can't tell our adult kids what to do. And the more we tell them how much we dislike that partner, even when it's legit and the partner is abusive, that doesn't, it doesn't work. And so you're trying to keep the communication open. And so child can your adult child can come to you in times of stress and duress and not have to just save face. Hello, everyone. I hope you all are staying safe during the summer. We're having lots of weather. We're having heat. We're having some flooding. And uh, we know that the world and the universe is highly unpredictable these days. So I hope you all are staying safe and having some fun with yourselves and your family and taking this time to do what you want to do for you. This is our new July Sitting Down with Dr. Dan bonus episode. Thank you for sending us all your awesome parenting questions with face to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also our email podcast at drdanpeters.com. And I am here with our awesome producer, Laura. You all know Laura, the twin mom extraordinaire. Hi, Laura. Thank you, Dr. Dan. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mimic our guests now and say, thanks for that great introduction. <laughs> That's so nice and generous. We actually, we have the best guests and it is, I love hearing them say thank you. So time for another bonus episode. I'm glad it's my turn and I'm up uh, for asking you our terrific listener questions. I wanted to mention that um, at least I am still celebrating our two-year exactly right anniversary we recently released that um, in at the end of June. We had a fantastic interview with Jordan Carlos. He's co-host of Exactly Right's Adulting uh, with Michelle Buteau. And it was a fun, great dad-centric, humorous yes. show. So I encourage all of our listeners to, to listen to that. And then um, we kicked off our Exactly Right time and... Uh, being with the network with an interview with Georgia Hardstark, co-host of My Favorite Murder with Karen Kilgariff. And she, of course, is one of the founders of Exactly Right. And our one-year anniversary, we interviewed another Exactly Right host, Kara Clank. So go back through our catalog. There's a lot of great episodes. And I want to just thank all our smart, passionate, and engaged listeners as the producer and also a twin mom who learns by listening to Dr. Dan um, on every episode. So let's get to your questions. The first one is an email we received and it says, Dr. Dan, I am a stressed out mom. I'm sending my first child off to college next month and my helicopter parenting habit is worse than ever. How do I let my kid go to college? How do I stop helicoptering? Thank you for this courageous, vulnerable and real life and very common uh, situation <laughs> these days. Mm -hmm. So... First child going to college, that is big. It's really big. We it's have been huge. there. We have been there, right? Laura. Yes. Yeah, it is so huge. Um, you know, I, in the back of your mind, whether your child goes to college or eventually moves out and does whatever he or she does, we just, you don't think about it when you're raising this person. Um, you, you know, it's like there's so much going on and in the moment. And, and 
in my experience, the, the days are long and the years are short many of the times. And so you're just like, you're in the grind and there's always another milestone and there's always something important. And often we're thinking about, yes, we want them to be independent, but if we back off right now, then they might not do well in this project. They might not do well in this class. They might not get onto this team. Like there never is, seemingly there's never this good time to pull back. And then for many of us, college comes and you're like, okay, I guess I'm not going to college with them. Like this, it's really forced. That being said, we are in a whole different world these days with phones. And um, I know when we were doing college tours with our kids, you just see many of these students who are walking from class to class on the phone the entire time. And many, which I would argue are on the phone with their moms um, because they're constantly connected. (laughs) Um, And there's Snapchat and there's texting. And, you know, the Snapchat and the texting are also nice um, transition communication for trying to back off of um, all of the FaceTime and the, the phone calls. Now, let me back up by saying, there is a transition and it is very, can be very helpful to be talking to your child. Your child have access to you. Um, and I think that's, that's the main point here. So that you're thinking about this is really healthy. You have maybe six weeks left. You don't have that much time left, depending if drop-offs mid-August all the way to sometimes, wow. uh, you know, right. mid-September. This is the time to practice, practice, practice with let your child come to you instead of you always seeking your child out, checking in, always guiding, always advising, always following up. Practice, practice sitting back, practice seeing if little things, if they can handle it by themselves, practice if something goes wrong, oh well, something goes wrong. This is the time to let out the rope. And something to remember is that when we, because of our own worries, are over-communicating, over-supervising, um, over-monitoring, and letting our own worries spill out, it actually shows it gives the message to our emerging adults that we don't believe in their abilities to do those things when that's not necessarily what you're doing, but that's, that's what the message is. So the more we can let them start to take responsibility for their own lives and us tolerate our own worry and anxiety about something not going quite right, them missing a class, them sleeping in them, um, staying out too late, making a poor decision, like these are all the important parts of life where they learn. If we're always on them to make sure they never make a mistake, they actually never learn until they do. And we want to be there to help pick up the pieces if that's needed, as opposed to always catch them before they fall or always make sure we're plowing So this is the other term. You said helicopter parent. There's another term that was coined, I don't know, it's in the five years ago, maybe in the last decade, is snowplow parenting. And snowplow what parenting, that? that snowplow parenting is the, the uh, parents that actually uh, go to school with their kids, not, not physically, but uh, 
figuratively speaking, where they are emailing their professors. They are interacting with all the school personnel. They are plowing the ski slope so their child has a very smooth run. Oh, this I'm just learning. This is real. Oh, my God. This is real. And there's a lot of that um, talk in the great book I'm looking behind me, How to Raise Adult by uh, Julie Lithcott Haynes out of of Stanford. And there's a lot of these examples where people were doing this now at West Point, at West Point and at Stanford, which was her experience. My jaw's on the floor. I've never heard of that. So a lot of sense though being described that way. We need to, though, like that you're asking the question, you have awareness. This is awesome. And it's going to be, probably more about you managing you. And so your daughter can start to learn the lessons. And this is something that you can also verbalize out loud to help your accountability with yourself and with your child. Because often with the firstborn, there can be very close Mm -hmm. relationship. Um, Sometimes what we call enmeshed, we're like the, like, where are the boundaries between me and you? And to say, you know what, you're getting ready to go. And I just want you to know, this is a big transition for me too. And I'm going to work really hard to allow you space. And I think we need to start practicing a little bit. And so there might be times that you ask me to do something, you ask me what I think. And I know I usually answer, but I'm going to really practice putting it back on you to help you see what you think and help you come up with your plan. Because we've been doing it this way a long time. Right. And I, this is really, um, I think it's something a lot of parents probably struggle with mm-hmm. and our listener articulated it beautifully. Yes. You know, my helicoptering is worse or whatever the phrase was. And I think because parents have so much access because of this digital thing in our hands that we have to check ourselves, right? We have to make sure that we are letting our children reach those milestones. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I'm thinking about my daughter and just going back to her first year where I did have to remind myself. Um, I wish I had known that I should have practiced though. So everyone listening, if you have not sent your first child to college, or if you're, you know, the first child leaving the nest is going off to work and moving out, practice now. Because it's different when they're under your roof and when they come home for the summer or they're over for an extended bit of time. But really, when they're in their own physical space, I think um, the tendency to go towards the snowplow parent is probably very strong. And checking ourselves will help with that transition. I think the emotional piece isn't talked about when it comes to the parenting side. When we talk about missing our children or you know, letting go of kind of their childhood. But I don't know if we actually dive into the emotional piece of what mm-hmm. it means to be parent, right. a parent of a young adult and an adult. And the reason coming from my non, you know, degreed self is all of this technology and access we have is new for us too. So mm-hmm. we didn't have that with our parents, those of us of a certain age. You called once a week maybe from yeah. college. Right. Or if you moved out, you would maybe um return home for, or meet out for a dinner or a coffee once a week or once a month. And now we can pick up our device. I'm waving mine around right now. Mm-hmm. And within seconds have a connection and an exchange. Yes. So 
Yes. And, you know, this show is a uh, awareness is one of the key principles of the show. And this question is 100 percent an aware parent. Right. So this yes. is like really, of uh, OK, I'm aware that I need to let go. And actually, with my child leaving, I'm, I feel like I'm actually doing more of my helicoptering behavior than maybe I normally do. And that's, again, normal. Right. We, we, we as humans, we try to like squeeze on hold tighter when things are slipping away. And, um, what, you know, what Laura and I can tell you having kids who are, um, older is it doesn't seem like it. And now, and yeah, and there are bumps along the way for sure, which is part of the process, but the relationship that grows as your child grows and becomes a young adult and has this independence and then comes home as a more mature adult is really, you just can't even you can't you can't really understand it till you experience it but it's Mm -hmm. it's it's the next thing to look forward to is this next stage of relationship with your child being in the world and your job being different as a parent and even for me um with kids a little younger than yours but still young adults it's just hearing that it's very reassuring it's exciting it's also for me, kind of a teaching and learning moment of just what I need to teach myself and what I need to still learn about letting them evolve. And for all the parents listening, mom of twins here, but every age mostly has been my favorite age and every age has magic. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we just don't have as many parenting books. We don't have as many sort of here's what you should do as our kids get older, which is one of the reasons our podcast is so important <laughs> because we're dealing with all ages. And this is a really, you know, important question from yeah. a stressed out mom. So thank yeah. you, stressed out mom. You're not alone. Yes. We're with and you. And we're totally with you. And um, so, yes, the emails were the majority of the ways we got our questions this month. And the second one is also from email podcast at drdanpeters.com. It starts with, we send our three children to sleepaway camp for most of the summer every summer, Dr. Dan. Our new neighbors, also now new friends, are being very judgmental about our choice and they keep making passive aggressive comments. How do we, especially as a mom and dad who also went to camp every summer and loved it, tell them that the reaction is offensive, but in a way that we can all still get along since they live next door to us? Mm. Dot, dot, dot. Yes. Well, I am with you guys because camp is awesome. And I don't know the majority of the people that go to camp, many think back on their camp experiences as among the best experiences of their life. I mean, it's just the the friendships, the the learning, the growth, you know, you're trying new things, you're you're seeing, you're making friends that are some lifelong friends outside of Mm -hmm. your regular life. first crushes, first dancing, first archery, right? Like it's like sleeping over. It's just amazing. And it's so healthy. So I'm actually thinking the, your friends have some of their own, it's, it's due to some of their own thinking or their own worries or their own insecurities about the decisions they've made or some of, you know, how the, them not feeling comfortable for whatever reason, sending their own kids away. And I I think there's a few ways to go about it. I think you've tried the ignoring, which is just to sort of like, you know, smile and let them, you know, do a little passive aggressive dart. Smile and wave. Right. And just kind of like, you know, kind of like 
dodge to the right and just let the dart go right by you. But I also understand if they're good friends of you in their next, next door and they keep talking about it, I think I would try to find a way to say in a, in a nice kind of smiley way, like it, try to like make light of it. It's like, hey, it just kind of seems that you guys don't agree with the camp situation. <laughs> and just kind of like be direct about it in a non-confrontational way and see if they can go there. Often yeah. people who are passive aggressive have a tough time going there. Like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's if that's what you want to do, like, that's fine. It's just not our preference. Okay. And then let it go. Right. And, and then when and then when the next it. dart comes, you decide whether you're going to dodge it or if it comes again, just go, hey, you know, I just noticed you guys, these these comments about camp just keep coming. I'm wondering. I see. I like there's one way is to actually just call it out. Gosh, seems like you don't agree with our decision about camp, right? Like you just because passive aggressive people are being they're being passive. So one way is just to kind of go straight on in a non-judge, like non-threatening way, a non-confrontational way, but you just call it. And either they can engage in a conversation, which might deepen your friendship, or they will just dodge it because they don't know how to right. do it directly. And then I would say you just keep going back to it every time they sling one at you. I love that. That. Right. When I read this, I, I, my, the word that popped into my head after I read this question, when it came in was, ouch, you know, these are your f supposed friends. Yeah. And, you know, I always try to live in a non-judgmental zone, but not everyone is the same. And mm -hmm. so even in their passive aggressive way, right, they're passing some kind of judgment, even if it's just reflecting on their own experiences. Um, and so I thought, how's Dr. Dan going to answer this one? But that, that feels really, yeah. Feels smart, respectful, and also conflict avoiding in a in a just sort of what's the right word um, in a friendly way that keeps the peace. So call them on it, but without being aggressive and right, right. laugh it off. And as I was hearing you, I was thinking, oh, maybe they could even say, well, you know, the kids are going to be home in another week, so you're not going to yeah. get to. He's <laughs> asking us about camp. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. There's something with them because they can't let it go. And um, I, I think if you can, you know, you do, we try to ground ourselves and not take it personally because right. obviously you guys feel really confident in your decision and your own experience and your kids' experience. So this is not about you, it's about them. And, uh, yeah, I support you in addressing it if these are friends, right? I, again, we find out how, you know, our friends are, who our real friends are sometimes in the situations that are, that are things that are important to us and when life, when life happens. And so I would suggest, you know, you can keep upping your directness if you feel this thing is not going away and it's really impacting your wanting to be with them. You don't want that to fester. And, no, and you just kind of kind of call them out. Yeah. Live near one another. So it's probably good to, yes. to get on this and clear the right. air. So right. um, well, it just so happens that our next question ties to a reference you just made uh, a little bit earlier, which was to your bookshelf ah. from uh, social media, Instagram. Instagram mm -hmm. user is saying, Dr. Dan, are there any good books you suggest for parents, new, favorite, any topic? Just want to be something, just want to hear about something on your favorites list please. Yes, I actually um, have some of those. And I was thinking back to all of the great books that I get to read for the podcast, and many yes. of which, of course, have a parent focus. So 
I, I have a short list to recommend. So one is um, from a podcast guest we recently recorded, um, Hunter Clark uh, Fields, Raising Good Humans Every Day, 50 Simple Ways to Press Pause, Stay Present, and Connect with Your Kids. And Hunter is a just such a cool, approachable person who talks about her own experiences of coming to mindfulness uh, and spiritual work in her own process of becoming a parent and wanting to be a different kind of parent and not a yelling, stressed out parent. And her first book is great too, which is Raising Good Humans. And this one is filled with 50 different short chapters, all like a meditation book where you can just sit with three pages one day and you read about something related to your own awareness and how to manage and regulate yourself as it relates to your parenting. So highly recommend that book. The next one um, is a book called My Everything, The Parent I Want to Be and the Children I Hope to Raise. So um, Inat Natan, who is in Israel, an amazing amazing person, such mm -hmm. a soulful, heartfelt, wise person. And uh, first of all, the conversation with her was amazing. Incredible. Uh, it's such, she's just, just such an awesome person. And her book also very raw and authentic and takes a different approach, uh, the opposite of a cookbook approach to parenting, talking about how do we raise our kids, talk to our kids, and at the same time, be the kind of people we want to be, which of course is so aligned with what we talk about in our show is be the person you want your child to become. Yes. So my everything, the parent I want to be, the children I hope to raise. Um, the next one is uh, with a guest that we've had a few times, uh, Dr. Kenneth Ginsberg, who is an amazing pediatrician on the East Coast and a national and international expert on resilience and teenagers. And his latest book is Congrats, You're Having a Teen, Strengthen Your Family and Raise a Good Person. And what he really does is he takes on all the myths about being a teenager, uh, about teenagers. I mean, and some of those myths, you know, do happen in your home, but a lot of them just color our narrative and our language and our behavior about what we expect with teens. Like, uh-oh, look out. If they're like this now, just wait till they're teenagers. Um, and so he normalizes all of this and talks about how you strengthen relationships um, to create these good humans. And I'll give one tidbit that's been really helpful to a lot of our listeners and clients of mine, which is he talks about two things not to do when you're parenting a teen. Over-control on one end of the spectrum, and on the other is believe that your kids don't care about you. Right, This all or nothing. Right. I'm either going to control you and be really involved, or you don't care, so I don't care, and I'm just going to let you be. And uh, he talks about all the stuff in the middle. He's a great guest. And great. listeners, if you yeah. just go into your search box, you can put in, you know, Dr. Ken Ginsberg and you'll see the episode links um, just come up on any places like Google or um, on your podcast platforms. He's, he is brilliant and yes. he backs up all of his work with terrific research. He's, you know, reframed how so many of our listeners think about their teens. Yes. Yes. And I have one more, one okay. more, 
Wow. One more with um, an also amazing person and woman and NPR anchor uh, who's had just such an in- adventuresome and inspiring life, Mary Louise Kelly. And Mary Louise, so this is a different kind of parenting book. She wrote her memoirs when her um, oldest was going off to college. Okay, getting it back to, uh, wow. right? Full circle. That's great. Full circle we, I, we to our first question. We love the full circle on Parent Footprint. I'm And cheering. it is called It Goes So Fast, The Year of No Do-Overs. And it is about her life and balancing her career, um, which is very decorated and intense. <laughs> and you, one needs to respond to the news um, as it comes with the reality that her child soccer player, um, her season's coming to an end, he's going off to school, uh, there are no do-overs, and how she deals with it, reconciles it, where she feels she makes good choices, where she feels she didn't make the choice in hindsight she wished she made, and just how life happens. And so that's a great summer read as well. That is a great list, Dr. Dan. I will make sure that our show notes list all of those titles and authors. I think we have something for everyone and every kind of taste. And this is, it's great for me to think back to some of these guests and books because, um, yeah, there are different kinds of lessons and Mm -hmm. you can distill them reading these different genres. So thank you. I love that question. I think we've only had. Well, you are, you are the book person. You I are, am a book person, so are, confession to everyone yes. that, you know, <laughs> when yes. I'm not wearing my producer hat, I am wearing a book publicist hat. Yes. So um, I am very blessed and lucky to to do what I love in both parts of my career and on our podcast, uh, those worlds intersect in a way that um, I feel like does a lot of good in the world yes. and to work with Dr. Dan yes. and showing books. He teaches me about books. Like we're always kind of telling each other. What's on our Very meaningful. Okay. Number four, dad writing on an email. Our daughter is in her 20s and she does not live at home anymore. She just told my wife and I that she is in a serious relationship with a man in his 40s. So again, the daughter's in her 20s, serious relationship with a man in his 40s. As parents, we are shocked, scared, and unsure what to do. Our initial reaction to her was not positive. We weren't great. Now she's withdrawn a bit. She's still answering our texts. How do we move on from here? Yeesh, move on. Father to <laughs> father, I feel you. Um, so, do-overs. We just talked about no do-overs. Oh, you're I, doing... I love yeah, you're connecting yeah. today. Yeah, I know. It's just Wait. happening. It's just happening. Wow, I'm it's, here. Okay. You're in the zone. So... You gave a human parent response based on concern, I'm guessing fears and worries, and maybe some uh, high emotionality. And, and shock, maybe. And shock, right? As you right. said, shock and Which scared, right? That right. is high emotionality. Yeah, right. So yeah. Um, here's where we backpedal, and we apologize for our strong reaction and say not an excuse but just explaining it came from love and concern and was likely not fair or not fair and we actually want to learn more 
right? Because some of these scenarios may not be what's best for your adult child. You, you might not think is what's best for your adult child. And you might be right. You still don't have any say. And the more you show your disapproval, the less um, communication and the less influence you actually will be able to have and then your daughter might be put in a corner where even when she decide, if she decides this isn't a good relationship for her, um, she doesn't want you to be right. And then could mm-hmm. potentially mm-hmm. stay in an unhealthy relationship because of the way it all went down. The I told you so is too painful for many. So right. I feel it's like just about like, hey, can we start over? And you own it as a human, like as a parent, as a loving parent with your own concerns and just say like, that was a really strong reaction. I don't think it was fair. And we want to be able to talk with you and we want to be a part of your life. And we want to learn more about your boyfriend. And we'd like to meet him. We'd like to, can you give us, can you give us another chance? Can you accept our apology? Now, there is a possibility without knowing any of the details, like there are some people who um, are really mature and in their 20s are really fed up with all of the immature 20-year-olds who are involved in the hookup culture and the non-commitment culture, which is very prevalent these days, and um, are just, and, and the party culture, and they're just sick of it. And they met someone who is either mature because they are mature at their age, or as a 40-something-year-old, they're still a little less mature as a 40-something-year-old, and your daughter is mature, and they're meeting in the middle. And it actually could be something real and significant, but you want, just like with a teenager, you want to take out the, what I call like the Romeo and Juliet effect, which is to basically say, you can't do this, we forbid it, which just makes something stronger, which doesn't necessarily, for a healthy reason, stronger. It's more like you're not the boss of me. Like that just, no matter how old right. we get, we don't lose the, you're not the boss of me, parents. I'll show you the more you try to control my life. Right. That, that's just kind of like a primal reaction right. between kids and parents, regardless of the age. Um, so that, that's a really thoughtful approach. It's honest. It's human. It's truthful on the side of the parents. So I, I do agree with all of that. And I, I think in listening to you assess the situation, we don't want these parents to lose their daughter as a result of a choice she's making, unless yes. she's in harm's way or, you know, something where someone else is going to get hurt. You know, those would be kind of the red flags, you know, for me as a mom right. hearing it, that if there was right. actual danger abuse, you know, something that was a a real negative or toxic situation. But otherwise, you know, our culture is weird because, you know, what do they call them? Like the May, December relationships, or, you know, there's all these kind of cliches that if Mm -hmm. the man's older versus the woman being older. And when your daughter is in her thirties, if she's still partnered with somebody who's, you know, significantly older, it changes, right? There are many relationships at least, you know, that I've heard about or know through friends of friends where there could be a 15 year age difference or even closer to 20. And those relationships do work. But I do understand for this dad and his wife to just get this 
delivered as news in a shocking way. Maybe again, we don't have all the details, but there was no hinting that this right. was happening. And then it's to me reading it, it sounds like the daughter's with them. And by the way, you know, I'm 25 and I, my boyfriend's 48. I just want to let you know, we're really serious. And right. that's been kept from the parents. So I think yeah, yeah, owning, um, yeah. you know, maybe the communication flaws on both sides, you know, apologizing and kind of leveling the emotional playing field. And then basically right. saying, you know, how do we move on from here? Yeah. I'm also thinking that, you know, you mentioned if it's an unhealthy or abusive relationship. I, so now we're not talking necessarily about this relationship, just in general, is even in that situation, we can't tell our adult kids what to do. And the more we tell them how much we dislike that partner, even when it's legit and the partner is abusive, that doesn't, it doesn't work. And so you're trying to keep the communication open. And so child can come, your adult child can come to you in times of stress and duress and not have to just save face. Right. And um, we're this, we're recording next week, um, a topic that's related to this, uh, the joy yes. project, which is about yes. healthy and unhealthy relationships. And what do we do when we have a friend or a family member in an unhealthy relationship? And how do we help educate people about healthy versus unhealthy? So, right. you know, there's just the, oh my God, this person's so much older than my my adult child. And then there's these other scenarios where it's like, this isn't healthy, this isn't safe. Right. And um, those are more complex situations. Right. So I think you've given these parents, I hope they agree, you know, a healthy entry point into dialogue about this to eventually meeting this person, kind of putting their own eyes on the relationship um, and, you know, having an open mind, being fair, um, but still, you know, owning up to the fact that they have the parental protectiveness, yes, um, you know, in there. So, yeah. okay, well, we are on our fifth question. Today's episode is flying by. So this one came from social media and it is um, about an elementary school Young man, our elementary school son does not have any friends. We really mean that. Sure, he socializes during the school year and during the day, but he does not want to see acquaintances after school on weekends during the summer. And that's one of the reasons we're writing this. He's alone most of the time. Is this okay? Is this healthy? Please help. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I hear about this a lot and I've worked with a lot of families like this uh, with this situation. I'd want to know, like, there are questions that I ask, which is, you know, how is the child at school? Like, does the child have acquaintances? Does the child relate to others? Are there preferred playmates at school? You know, what, is, what do the teachers say? What do school staff say? Um, how are his social, like, does he have basic social skills? Um, and then it's like, okay, is he anxious? or avoidant, have some social anxiety, like he just doesn't want to, um, he, he's afraid of doing something wrong or saying something stupid, uh, which is a lot of social anxiety, being humiliated. Yes. And so he avoids it. Also want to know if a child is an introvert. A lot of times introverts really like, like to be by themselves. They like to do their own thing. They, they really get their fill of social relationships at school. And they really look forward to after school, the weekends and the summers um, where they can just do their own thing. 
I also ask the question of, is your child seemingly okay with this or are they wanting more social engagement? Because sometimes they can like back to this, the introversion model is they're like, yeah, I'm just like really happy at this age doing this by myself, or I'm really lonely and I wish I had more friends. And you know, that one, we are wanting to step into it, I think a little stronger, which is okay, how do we help this child get the skills, make the connections? Um, Also wondering about um, summer programs, summer classes, day camps, and some of these kids will go. And some of the other kids are like, no, I just don't want to have my day structured. I just want to chill. So I would say I would not, in this case, overreact or underreact. I would just say like you're monitoring and you are talking to other people in his life just to see where is the developmental level. Are there are there skill areas that need to be developed through some any social skills classes, um, or do you need to plan maybe some family outings with some other family friends or you know family weekend excursions? So there's family friends around every once in a while, um, but I, I'd monitor at this point. Well. I think I'm looking at the question again. We don't know the age, so we, we can set it in elementary school. Right. So I do think your almost your checklist of questions, I hope um, our listener just kind of takes stock and maybe does a little observing, like you said, a bit of monitoring. Um, it's hard to know. I totally get the, the introverted kiddo model and summer especially is a time to recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, and this also doesn't really touch on are there family outings or is there a cousin? Um, you know, right. is there, you know, another same age young person that you are seeing kind of social skills, muscles, you know, flexed. And I would say just being further along in the parenting journey that when you don't know, and if this is a first child or you're juggling, you know, multiple first children and they're all young, you just don't know. And it's natural to go to a place of worry But I also think as a parent and a very engaged mom that if there were red flags happening during the school year and now it's summer, that by now you may have heard something from a teacher or an aide. You've had maybe a parent conference, you've gotten a report card. So maybe just kind of go back and take a look at all of that. You know, was there any indication anywhere across Mm -hmm. those examples of we're concerned? Yeah. You know, child, you're boy, we don't have a name, obviously, but just, you know, isn't really engaging and seems withdrawn or, wow, you know, the the class talker or the class clown, like we don't really know what our kids look like and what they're doing when they're in school. You know, we have a sense of it, but um, it's, it's such a physical separation that, you know, they may be in a leadership role and we don't know that. So I would say just kind of add, adding to what Dr. Dan says, kind of take a look at the whole picture. And then see where, you know, you maybe you need to tweak things. Maybe you don't. And um, don't go, just trust me, don't go right to a place of worry unless, you know, there's a few things that are worrisome that um, listening to Dr. Dan's question, you know, maybe um, give you pause and that, you know, you're making notes and taking notes on. But the other thing is, you know, I know a lot of teachers don't work in the summer, but we're also connected as we were talking about in various ways on our bonus episode today that. If you have an open dialogue with your um, son's teacher, you know, maybe just like a casual, this is not urgent email 
over right. the summer or even a text again, like these lines are blurred. A lot of teachers don't mind a text just to, you know, hope you're having a great summer. We're just noticing this. And did you have any feedback or input? Yes. And then enjoy your summer. Yes. And, you know, these days are, what is it? The days are. The days are long and the long. years are short. <laughs> See, I don't even know the statement anymore. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, um, so you know, summer's flying by. And so yeah. if you can all come away with it, having enjoyed it a lot, um, yes. that would be my wish for you. So. And that, that's our last question. I mean, these that's were, it. once again, uh, you know, five terrific questions, five great yes. topics. And Dan, you stitched them all together so extra beautifully this time. Just happened in a nice way. And uh, great questions, you guys. Everyone, every, every, every month, they're just such thoughtful uh, and vulnerable questions that help Everyone, they help us, they help our audience, our all of the listeners. So keep them coming, people. We love them. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. All right, guys, that's it. Another bonus episode of Sitting Down with Dr. Dan. Uh, you know where to find us. Uh, you can subscribe on the Wondery app to hear, hear all of our bonus episodes and our podcast ad free. Thank you for listening on our regular drops on Thursday mornings. And um, we so appreciate all of the feedback we get, your five-star reviews, bringing all of your friends and family to our community. You know how to reach us at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. You can also go to our website, www.drdampeters.com. As I said earlier, do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.